Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow, and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham Podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards, and James Jones. What a conflicting week at West Ham United. The Hammers scored their fifth, sixth and seventh goals without reply against another Champions League hopeful in the outstanding 3-0 win at Leicester. New right-back Vladimir Kufau looks like Thomas Repka and Sebastian Schemmel had a love child and then got Cafu to bring it up. We're 10th in the league and our goal difference is four better than last season's Champions Liverpool. And then, last night, we all came crashing back down to earth as another transfer window slammed shut. And Hammers fans were wondering where exactly that Grady D and Garner money was spent after all. One sign-in, albeit one who looks promising, is simply not good enough. It's not good enough because West Ham nearly went down last season. It's not good enough because David Moyes asked to build a team of young, hungry players and has proved he deserves appropriate backing. And of course, it is not good enough because world-class football at a world-class stadium does not come from one budget buy from the Czech Republic's top division. West Ham's squad is threadbare and yet another transfer window has passed that proves the board's sole intention at West Ham is to just stagnate and exist, spending as little as possible to scrape survival in the Premier League, a la Mike Ashley at Newcastle. Bit of a bipolar week, uh, James. Happy and sad. Loads going on. Great to see you both, lads. Uh, Jonesy, how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, all the better for seeing you back in, back in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after your your what two weeks stint in Portugal, I'm just wondering whether you left your tan in Portugal, though, mate. It seems to have disappeared. Yeah, it's not um, quite the same, is it? The rainy uh, lighting must yeah. have washed <laughs> off in the rain. <laughs> yeah, I've not had a shower since I got back. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, good, mate. Um, very, very, very excited about West Ham. It's 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 a far cry from when it was a few weeks ago, isn't it? Um, the smile hasn't left my face since Sunday afternoon. 
Well, that's that's good. Obviously, it's a, it is a strange one at the moment because the, the football on the pitch is fantastic. The stuff off it, not so much. But Tom, how are you? Good to see you, mate. And uh, what's your what's your mood? What what's governing your mood the most? The two outstanding wins against uh, Wolves and Leicester. Of course, we did lose to Everton since we lasted the pod, but that seems mm-hmm. to have been forgotten about. So much has happened since then. What's governing your mood the most? The uh, the wins and the great football that we've played two league games in a row or the uh, shambles in the transfer market. Yeah, good to see you, mate. And I think as the dust has settled from last night, I was fuming last night, but overriding feeling is a sense of pride in the 11s, pride in the squad who have gone out there and put in two high-class performances. And for me, two of the best since Pye and Billich last year at Upton Park. And it was incredibly exciting. Unbelievable football. We absolutely deserve both of those results without a shadow of a doubt. And we, we took it to two seriously good teams. So for me, that that's the most important take from this week. But as always, mate, I, it's almost, I'm expecting, so I was expecting that from yesterday. I'm fuming and disgraced, but we've got a team who've come out and actually given it something. We've got a thin bear squad who've come out and put in two massive, massive performances. And we look like we have an identity, a style of play. So for me, Finding that in the last few weeks is more important than getting on the back of another transfer window where we all probably knew nothing was going to happen anyway. So trying to stay positive and trying to run with that because we can't we can't forget that result and that performance because we haven't gone out and we've got a guy on and loan. I think it's more important to remember the game. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pleased to hear that. I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? The the performance at the weekend was. We said it before against Wolves about no one saw it coming. But in my perspective, that's three outstanding league performances in a row. I did think we were good at Arsenal, could have gone either way that game. Uh, Wolves game was brilliant, but it got even better. It didn't. It wasn't just as good as the week before. It was, mm-hmm. I think, perhaps the most complete performance from a West Ham team in recent memory. I can't really think of one off the top of my head. But it's uh, good to see you both. I'm glad, uh, glad we're both doing well and still reeling from the victory away at Leicester on Sunday. A little bit of housekeeping uh, before we start the show. As usual, do follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter to get involved in all the polls and the uh, the good news that we, that we regularly publish. All the Betway charity bets, you can keep up to date with those. We'll cover those in more detail later. One of us finally won some money for our charity this week. So, uh, yeah, at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Tom is doing a sterling job of editing up these podcasts every week and getting them up and live on YouTube. The link to our YouTube channel will be in the description of this podcast if you want to see this show and the shows from previous weeks. These shows, they go up a little bit later than when the podcast goes live. So if you click on it uh, when, when you listen first thing, Wednesday morning, you're wondering where this week's episode is. It does go up a little bit later in the day on the Wednesday. Busy show, as I've said, coming up tonight. We'll, of course, talk all about the Leicester game. Beating top of the league away from home cannot be sniffed out at whatever stage of the season it is. Seeing Alan Irving and big Kevin Nolan celebrating on the touchline was wonderful. We will touch on Everton briefly, although it seems a lifetime ago, the defeat at Goodison Park last Wednesday. The Betway Charity Bets, as I've mentioned, we've had our first winner. You can find out exactly which one of us bags some money for our charity in part two. We'll cover the headlines. Uh, news breaking late today. The London Stadium owners have sued the law firm Alan and Overy over West Ham's 99-year lease, which could have 
ramifications. We'll talk Harry Redknapp's quotes about the board on Sky Sports News. Uh, King Arthur Masuaku has decided to put King Arthur Masuaku in his Twitter bio, and I'm still taking credit for it. We'll do the transfer roundup. We've got a guest, Rashane Thomas, friend of the podcast and West Ham correspondent for The Athletic, joins us. We'll have a Twitter poll. As always, we've asked the We Are West Ham fans uh, and the We Are West Ham listeners what they think and how they think West Ham will finish after the last two games and the transfer window. James Jones leads name that game as Quizmar master tonight and of course we will wrap up with the West Ham women's section absolutely packed show lads as always we've got a week off the opposition view this week because of course it's an international break we've actually got some West Ham players who are away on international duty to talk about but first of all we can't talk about anything else other than the emphatic 3-0 win at Leicester City on Sunday Jonesy I said just then perhaps the most complete performance from a West Ham team in recent memory is that something you buy into or am I going over the top I mean I can't think of uh, a better performance in the last two seasons Uh, we've had good performances in that time you know we've we've had some decent half decent wins as well but um, I thought the Wolves performance was, was it couldn't be topped but they topped it at the weekend you know I was it's summed up perfectly in the Guardian's match report where they say West Ham are physically, technically and tactically superior, which I never, ever thought I'd ever read a sentence about West Ham like that ever in my <laughs> life. And um, here we are talking about it. And, you know, it's it's testament to to the way that they've they've reacted to that opening day defeat to Newcastle, which, you know, had us all fearing the worst, you know, fearing relegation. So now tweaking the system listening to this podcast and hearing we'll bang on about what 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 system should should work with Masaraku. And um and here we are, you know, we've almost almost got something at Arsenal. We've battered Wolves, battered Leicester, and Spurs are next. Um yeah. it's 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 been brilliant and you know, I can't I can't be any more positive about the performance and, and what, you know, could potentially be achieved this 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 season if we continue with that system and actually for once get a little bit of consistency because we've lacked consistency you know for decades probably um but particularly over the last few years just a little bit of consistency and you know we're not going to win every game you know we are going to lose football matches but you know as long as they put performances in like that then you know we, we've got half a chance of having a, a pretty good season if the losses are the same nature as the Arsenal loss, you you won't mind, would you? No, no, no. If, exactly. If yeah. if we're a bit unlucky or we're in the game for a lot large parts, you don't mind. It is definitely the nature of the defeat. Just quickly though, Jonesy, from now on, rather than calling it that system, can we just call it Will's system? Um, I, yeah, I suppose we could do. Um, well, and might as well, mightn't we? Oh yeah, I mean, if you really want to, Will, if you really want to take full one hundred percent credit. For David Moyes' tactical or Alan Irvine's tactical masterclass, then by all means, go for it, mate. Yeah, well, all of my friends have been questioning why they haven't been able to watch a West Ham game here recently, but it's not just COVID, it is, of course, because I'll give the game away the fact that I'm on the other end of the line to Stuart Pearce when he's sitting in the stands. Tom, every single player was outstanding, I thought, but I, you couldn't pick a bad performer out of those 11 players. And like Jonesy said, you haven't been out to say that for ages. I thought mm. each one of them to a man, you know, it's the best I've seen Fabian Balbuena play since the first season. I thought he was outstanding. Everyone gave the plaudits to Ogbonna, but 
Balbueno, I thought was just as good at the back. But, uh, but again, you couldn't. There was no one on that pitch who dropped beneath a nine out of ten for me on the weekend. No, absolutely not, mate. And I was just when you were saying that, I was thinking the first person I was going to praise is Balbueno because. The first two games back in the side when he was sort of thrown in there unexpectedly, probably didn't expect to get a kick of the ball for a while in the Premier League. And then obviously Diop's gone down with COVID and he's had to deal with Jimenez and Adama's pace. And then he's had to deal with Vardy the next week. And the one hole in his game for me, or a big hole in his game, is, is his pace. And he's managed to use his brain, deal with them, drop off when needed. And he's a very good front foot defender. He wins the ball high up the pitch for us. He's important because he sets us on our counter-attacks and, he, and he's been a really he standout. In the last two games, he's been one of our better players. Another person I think doesn't get credit and I'm one to get on his back and I think he is a bit past it, but he might have found a new lease of life is Aaron Cresswell in that left centre-half position. He's brilliant on the ball. He, he suits that role unbelievably. He's got Masuaku's pace on the outside of him, defending him there, and then he's got a Bonner's height on the inside of him. So he's picking up the right pockets. He's doing everything right as well. And I think it's absolutely that, mate. And Soufal coming in, what, two days training, one of them would have been a shape day when all they do is stand on the pitch and see what they're doing. And he's come in and seemed like he fits like a glove. And at, to a man, they were brilliant. And with everything that's going on in the background, with the potentially losing Rice, Dean Garner going, not buying players, really, really thin squad to come out there and put in two high-class performances. I've got a lot more respect for this squad than I, I thought they've got more than they actually did. I slagged them off last year, a lot of these players or whatever, and wrongly so, because they've come out and they've, they've shown a lot of bottle to get these jobs done because it's not an easy start to the season yet. We've come out and played some of our best football for the last few years, like we've all said. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, and I don't want to keep banging on about it. I know we are joking about it then, but I mm. think with, as far as the system goes, it just seems, and I, I know all, all of these things do in hindsight, but it just seems so obvious in mm. that, like you said there, you mentioned about Cresswell and Balbuena, and even Ogbonna, he's not exactly rapid, is he? When you've no. got just simple mathematics means that playing five at the back means the three in the middle have just got less ground to cover, haven't they? Mm. Which is so much more important. When you've got Fabian Balbuena playing in a in a back two, even Diop, he's hardly rapid, are they, any of these players? When you've got them playing in a back two, and they've got so much more ground to cover. That half a yard is magnified, isn't it? And it looks huge. But on the weekend, we just looked absolutely comfortable sitting back and Leicester having the ball because they, they had no idea what to do once they got up to two-thirds down the pitch. We were sitting there going, come on then. You, you won't be able to get around us because we're all on our game. We've got less, less space to cover. Each, each person was responsible for a smaller part of the pitch, each of the centre-backs was responsible for a smaller part of the pitch. And when now that their workload has been reduced, they're able to concentrate on it better and do a better job. And I, I, I just think it all just works brilliantly. You take the defensive responsibility off the two wing-backs. Um, like you said, Kufau, What? just quickly, before I carry on with that uh, tactical soliloquy, how are we pronouncing um, our new right-back surname? Because I've gone with Kufal already. You've gone with Sufal, Tom. Jamesy, I think you're going to have to have the deciding vote. Kufal. Kufal, yeah. You're going with the hard C. Okay, just uh, just so we know for the I'm rest of the season. Ground. I'm standing my ground. I'm standing yeah, I know. My... Yeah, 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 you but... be you, Tom. You, you yeah, be yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, by all means, crack on. But no, I just <laughs> think that the whole thing, I think it's just ticking boxes for everyone. It's enabling the centre-backs to take a bit of pressure off of them. The, the wing-backs are allowed to join in with the attacks. And ultimately, it, 
we're not good enough or we haven't got the players to, I don't care if we don't have 60%, 70% possession every week. I'm more than happy to watch every game this season, like what happened at the weekend, where we let teams come on to us. Most teams in the Premier League outside of the top four slash six aren't going to have good enough attackers to break down a compact back five, which turned into a back seven if Rice and Suchek were there. And then we've got the pace and the talent to exploit on the counter, as we showed. I thought it was a tactically perfect performance. People say Leicester weren't that good, but I think we stopped them from playing. I think last week Wolves were a bit more off their game, but I don't think Leicester particularly were. I just thought we stopped them from playing with our application and the system. Uh, James, mm. is it is there something... Is it one of those? Are we getting carried away? I know we have beaten two good teams, especially doing it away from home, but is it one of those where... I'm, I can feel it. I'm just getting, I'm not getting carried away, but I'm just trying to enjoy the feeling of a league win or certainly two on the bounce and a couple of clean sheets. Is it, do we need to temper our joy already? It's difficult not to get, get a little bit carried away given that, you know, we, we haven't seen back-to-back defeats in, in that kind of manner for, well, for as long as I Vic- can remember. Really. Victories. Sorry, victories. Yeah. Um, so used to it. No, we're just we're just not used to seeing us. Yeah, we might get the odd winning against a top six club, you know, and, and yeah, great. But you know, to to put in two performances and get two wins like that with two clean sheets against two sides that, you know, particularly over the last two years have been top four candidates, at least you know, top six. Uh, very very dangerous. Very very good. Consistently good every week. To then rock up at King Power and win 3 0 uh, and essentially out Leicester Leicester. Uh, we basically beat them at their own game. We beat them in the very, very similar system that they won the league with. Um and you know, that you don't you don't see that with West Ham very often. Um so it's very difficult not to get too carried away, but given and I know we'll touch on it, but you know, the the transfer window and the the what's happened with that means that there is a huge danger that we won't be able to play this system for much longer because one or two injuries down the line and we're back to we're back to square one and you know we played we went back to square one with the Everton game and the cup game and we we got battered um I know it wasn't the set, set, same set of players but it was a different system and we got battered so we have to be relatively measured but you know it's difficult not to get excited when you know, after a game like that so I'm I'm all for you know, popping up with the champagne, Will, and, <laughs> you know, let's just let's just have a party, boys, because you know we don't feel like this very often, do we? No, exactly. There's plenty of We Are West Ham podcasts that people can go back and listen to. They're a bit glum and miserable, so I think we can all agree, the three of us, that we know that this joy should be tempered, but we don't really care this week because if we lose again next week, we just want to enjoy it while we can. Uh, Tom, just to to bring the mood down slightly, obviously great stuff at Leicester. Uh, Everton, we did, that seems like a, a lifetime ago now, last Wednesday. Disappointing, I suppose, to be out the cup because we'd done so well in the rounds before. But I said at the beginning of the season that I'd be more than happy to go out of the cups to teams who will finish above us in the Premier League. Um mm. Or away at a fellow Premier League team. That that's sort of all I said, really. As long as it's there's no embarrassment really in losing at Goodison. How are you? How did you sort of take that one? 
Yeah, I thought, yeah, it's like you say, Everton are top side. I think they're proving that week after week now. And you look at their second 11 that they played, and it wasn't even a second 11. Hamez was playing, and then they got Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's coming in. They got Gomez, Calvert-Lewin started. So it's it's not embarrassing by no means to lose to that lot. But we, we didn't show our best self. And like Jonesy said, it's because we make a few changes and we physically don't have enough centre-half to go out there and play the same system that we do in the Premier League with our first 11. If he wants to bring people in and use his squad players, we don't actually have the people to go out there and play the system that the first team do. So change the system. It blew my mind, sort of. If you're going to play Declan Rice, play him in the middle, keep the centre-halves in there and, and go for that. So I thought he made a couple of odd decisions. Not making a sub when we were in the game at 1-0, then at 2-1. That was bizarre. Only team in the whole whole of the cup competition. All the whole of football history. Yeah, I think honestly, since round one, I saw I read a stat that no club has not made a sub in the League Cup ever, literally. <laughs> it's this year for sure. And that seemed odd. But like you say, if we come out and we do what we did against Leicester the weekend after, I'm not I'm not particularly that gutted because there's always going to be good sides in that who are most likely knock us out. I think if it was the FA Cup, I'd be feeling a little bit more enraged but it is it is the milkman's cup so we, we move on we move on yeah definitely no shame to lose away to Everton I agree just quickly I don't know if either of you heard this you mentioned Tom there about mm. it being weird that it didn't make a sub I'm not sure whether it was a joke but it seemed to be like a fairly legitimate suggestion that Alan Irving said apparently at the end of the game that Moyes was unable to watch the last few minutes Am yeah I, he couldn't uh, watch all of the game is, that is true, isn't it? I wasn't yeah. sure if that was one of my mates on a wind-up. No, it is true. Apparently, he, for some reason, or whatever it is, he couldn't catch the whole game. He, he didn't even say minutes or last few minutes. He just said he couldn't catch the whole game. So whether or not he's having a romantic night in in quarantine with his missus or, uh, or whatnot, but all his streams gone down, footy passes failed him, God knows. But for some reason, he couldn't, he couldn't make a choice or do something in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> absolutely well look, that's enough of that um of the defeat it's a shame but no shame like i say to go out to everton away in one of the cups and hopefully we make uh, a good go of the fa cup when it swings around what a wonderful start to the show we'll cover the transfer window which might bring our mood down a little bit with Rashane thomas west ham correspondent from the athletic a little bit later on but stick with us because Next up is even more joy when we reveal the first Betway charity bet winner of the season. So a joyous start to the We Are West Ham podcast this week. Seven unanswered Premier League goals against Wolverhampton Wanderers and Leicester City, both of whom said they would be chasing the Champions League spots before the season. Absolutely fantastic. And in even better news, one of us has finally raised some money via the Betway charity bets that me and the lads are doing this season. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James Jones is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tobedis Foundation and Tom Edwards for Isla's Fight. And it was so close to all three of us winning the bets. Leicester City's disallowed goal right at the end meant that James Jones and... Tom Edwards did not win a penny and I'm delighted to say that I have pulled in the first money of the season. £60 raised for the Bobby Moore Cancer Research Fund by me with my bet of over two and a half goals in the game, over 
uh, no, one, at least one goal in each half and less than 5.5 total bookings. It came in quite easily for me, to be quite honest. When Jared Bowen slotted the third one in, I was obviously ecstatic um, that it looked like my bet was going to come in. Not loads of bookings, and even towards the end of the game, uh, there wasn't too much squeaky bum time. But, lads, I'm obviously delighted. I know you were both pleased for me, having spoken to you both. But it was so, so close to being a clean sweep, wasn't it? Jonesy, just, uh, just remind everyone what you had, first of all. Well, initially I had Jared Bowen to have two shots on target, but uh, I think uh, we, we weren't able to do that at the time. So uh, I switched it to Jared Bowen to score uh, at the last minute, uh, over two and a half goals and both teams to score. So Bowen got that third goal, as we know, over two and a half goals with that with that goal. Um, and then it just needed a less goal. And um, yeah, euphoria turned to despair in the space of, Couple of minutes, and we're used to that with VAR, aren't we? But not not in those circumstances. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was a tough one to take, but made a lot easier by the fact that you got yours. Will it's uh, good to finally get some money on the board, and I could finally tweet out that that league table graphic. Absolutely, yeah. Yours was an eleven to two shot, James, wasn't it? I think me, you, mm. and Tom. Uh, Tom, just to remind everyone, yours was both teams to score over two and a half goals and over two and a half cards. Uh, mm. You also only needed a Leicester goal by that stage. And I think me, you and James were the only West Ham fans in the country who went, yes, when Leicester's goal went in <laughs> before it was disallowed. Yeah, mate, exactly that. I was watching it with my brother, obviously, as usual now in quarantine. And it went in and he's going, what are you doing? Well, he obviously knows the bet, but I'm sort of giving it this one on the, on the phone to you. I text you, lads, here we go. Um, soon to soon to be cancelled out. But um, whilst we're on it as well, I'd like to wish it's Isla's birthday on Thursday. So obviously, give her a lot of love and send her love uh, through Twitter or whatever means possible because every little bit helps, whatever, get the mood going because she's a wonderful girl. And yeah, I hope she has a great birthday. That's great stuff. Great stuff. Well, look, lads, it was seriously unfortunate. No Betway charity bets for next week because, of course, we're on an international break. We will be joined by Chad from Betway next week as well to uh, hopefully congratulate us on the win and just to touch base about uh, where we're going for the rest of the season. He was hoping to join us tonight, but uh, unfortunately he's moved house and his internet wasn't connected up quick enough so uh, unfortunate we couldn't get Chad on tonight to uh, officially confirm that first chunk of money that I've won for the Bobby Moore fight as we say that's uh, that's four weeks it took us for the first win we hope we'll have a few more and the, the other two lads were absolutely they were, they were just so close it was so unlucky and Jonesy what, what I'd just like to raise some attention to uh, you were talking last week about the raising awareness and the Dylan Tombides uh, foundation about testicular cancer and I'm not sure most West Ham fans on Twitter today may have seen the tweet from Trevor Sinclair I don't know if either of you two caught yeah. hold of it did you yeah I saw it yeah yeah, saw it. yeah I did see it quite late on this this afternoon yeah mm. yeah and it, it, again just uh, in line with what James was saying last week uh, any Encouraging the blokes uh, listening to check your testicles, which is what the DT38 Foundation do. Trevor Sinclair tweeted this afternoon, uh, just wants to share my last few days, found a lump in my testicles, phoned the doctor, went for an appointment, had a check, went for a scan and all seems fine. Please check your balls, chaps, at Balls to Cancer. So Trevor Sinclair there, who's uh, been coming out of some 
absolute gold on all things West Ham recently. Uh, just commenting, backing up what James was saying last week, encouraging people uh, to check yourself. That also, of course, applies to any women listening to check yourselves. We all know the, uh, the lots of public campaigns, um, but good stuff from Trevor. Glad to hear, of course, from everyone that we are West Ham that it's all okay, but just another, uh, another to push positive push Jonesy um, that, you know, there's no, no need for any stigma with those sort of things. It's always better to just get checked and uh, go and sort it out. Hey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, also highlights at the age of 47. Um, you know, it, it's not, you know, the average age I think is, is less than that. It's the, I think it's the average age is 33. It shows that, you know, just because you're beyond the average age doesn't mean that you're out of the woods, you know, you still you still need to check regularly. I think Tracy Tomida has told me that the youngest uh, recorded um, case of testicular cancer is nine months old. Um, so, you know, just because you, 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 you're before the average age or after the average age doesn't mean that, you know, you're out of the woods. So, good, really good example there from Trevor Sinclair that, you know, still get yourself tested no matter how old you are, you know, still check yourselves. Absolutely, absolutely. Obviously, best wishes to Trevor. Uh, great stuff um, from you, Jonesy, on the DT38 Foundation work. Unfortunate not to pull in your first lump of cash this week. Same with you, Tom, for Isla's fight, but we'll keep going. We have got our first Betway charity bet winner of the season with my 60 quid for the Bobby Moore Fund. Stick with us, obviously, for the rest of the season because they'll be going till the end. But stay with us next because we'll have Roshane Thomas from The Athletic talking all things West Ham and that shambles of a transfer window. still listening to the we are west ham podcast with me will Pugh, tom edwards and james jones and i am delighted to say we are joined once again by a friend of the podcast and the athletics west ham correspondent roshane thomas to talk to us about that transfer window obviously there was so much activity done by west ham incomings and outgoings that we needed a high level professional to help us sort through it all. And what better man than Rashane? Rashane, great to see you again, mate. What a busy transfer window. I bet you didn't stop, did you? I know. You said a lot of activity. Well, there wasn't much income as well. Hardly not much <laughs> income at all. Uh, yeah, it didn't start. It was a window where West Ham were linked to everyone under the sun, really. Like, the amount of players West Ham were linked to, you could have filled the new starting eleven. It was just so many <laughs> players. But if you consider what happened in terms of, like, Jordan Hugo leaving, Ayeti leaving... The Ghana leaving, which is still to an extent causing controversy, and the fact that if you think about it, only one player has, has arrived in the form of um, Vladimir Kafal. Obviously, we all knew Thomas Suchet was going to join anyway because West Ham stayed up. So if you really look at it, essentially just one player has come through the doors. The fans are like, "What on earth is going on? We're doing well on the pitch. We're one injury away from crisis. If like someone like Antonio has suffered an injury, someone like Rice was Suchet." It's gonna, and, and it sort of has sort of deja vu from last season when Fabianski suffered an injury and it just went downhill. So fans are like, it's safe it could happen again. Rashane, you, you mentioned it there, and you know, the Athletic pride themselves on only covering the accurate story. They're not to, you know, you know, not gossip mongers or gossip merchants or anything like that. And you, you've obviously got a really good handle on what's going on. You mentioned it yourself there about all of the different players that West Ham were linked with. In your opinion, how many of those were legit? You know, what, what, how many of those players did West Ham actually concrete go after 
and were were properly in for rather than just oh yeah West Ham are looking at this player or West Ham are, might make a move for this player that sort of thing. Well, it's about thirty players we have to go through. We want loads of players. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I can remember, obviously we know about um, Tamori. But there was definitely interest there. There's been an agreement with that. He turned his changed his mind at the last minute. So obviously that was frustrating because he would have been a good a good option to have in defence. I actually feel like if we were able to sign him, we would have taken a Cresswell's place. Because I think I might have said to always left footed. So he would have been in that sort of role in the centre back. Um the, the defender for Marseille, he does also um yeah, you know, Cali- a lot of different. And that's a Cali- Cali- I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't pronounce his name. I've tried. <laughs> you know what? Let me just say the Marcy defender. Too, right? As long as you can spell it, innit? Yeah, you know what I mean? And obviously, again, you know, the agreement's been made, but he turned, changed his mind because you wanted to keep playing Champions League football. Marseille he aspires to be part of like, the, the French side for the European Championship next summer. So he's thinking, why am I going to join West Ham when they could possibly be involved in relegation scrap? So there's that. Obviously, really good time on a move to West Ham, which was frustrating. So, if you think about it, in defence of the board, like, we did try, but it's a case where a lot of players are like, you know what, I'm better off where I am, and you know what, I don't really want to go to West Ham right now at this point in my career. So, it's frustrating that point of view, hence why there's going to be more like a concerted effort to sign players in the Championship, because West Ham have a good track record and being able to bring players from the lower leagues. Shane, like, you've just gone through them there. Like, that's three players that have, have rejected moves to West Ham because they're already at clubs that are offering them um, Champions League football and European football. Um, do you think that, you know, given, you know, that we're not surprised that those players have turned us down, um, don't blame them at all whatsoever, but do you think the club have perhaps wasted a bit of time there going for players that, okay, they've showed a bit of ambition but for going for players that are playing a little bit higher up in terms of level, but, you know, they could have just gone, gone for players that, you know, have got a more realistic chance of getting that are still, you know, as good, perhaps even better, um, and not ended the transfer window with just Kufalin and then having to then go to the championship and, and almost fourth, fifth choice targets. Yeah, and I, I never forgot to mention, I, th- I believe it's pronounced Wesley Foner, the one who joined Leicester City, messed around with that. The amount of installments, you're thinking, what on earth are you playing that? Like, come on now, we're a Premier League team, you've got to do better than that. So, yeah, great point you made. It's, it's, it's a case of just West Ham just wasting time as well, because if you look back to January, it was similar. Wasted so much time, and then towards the end of the transfer, they're like, "Oh, let's try and sign this player. Let's try and sign that player." And if West Ham had like reached out for these targets much earlier in the window, bear in mind the window was like the best part of four months. That window mm. took forever to finish, and here you have it, deadline day. West Ham trying to sign players, and only one player's come through the door. So it's frustrating because fans are like, "What on earth is going on? We sold dear Garden like a month ago. Surely there's time to plan, use that money. Where's the money from that? No, it hasn't been spent yet." So all in all, you have these sort of distractions, which is it's not good because, as we all mentioned earlier, doing well on the pitch right now, back-to-back rings, back-to-back clean sheets, but you have these distractions. You had it again with Sullivan's interview with TalkSport. Just unneeded distractions, and you can't really afford to have that right now in West Ham. But, yeah, so it's really frustrating when you think of it like that. Mm. Well, Shane, do you think down, down the line that this could have a bit of an impact on the relationship between Moyes and Sullivan or Moyes and the owners? Because he, he's clearly stated he only wanted a centre-half, or at least that was what he mainly wanted this window. Yet we've ended it with not a centre-half. We've got a right-back from the Czech Republic League, and we're now left in the same position where we're probably going to have to go and pick Craig Dawson up or someone like that for very little money. It's not a long-term project. Do you think Moyes is going to be angry and almost a bit of resentment towards the board and fractious relationship because he's been done dirty here in a way. 
Well, well, first of all, time you you got to put a bit more respect on Vladimir Kafal. He's, yeah, he's a good, he's a good. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. But yeah, no, because again, in that interview with Sullivan and Talksport, he said um, that he's been trying to get like squad players, and Moyes is like, I don't want squad players. I want players going to have an impact straight away. And that's been Moyes. Moyes has been so consistent, consistent of that since he returned as manager. He's not bringing in players. He's got to occupy the bench. We've had so many players who've done that over the years for West Ham. One of our players are going to have an impact straight away. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why it was hard for West Ham to bring players in in the end. And yeah, I do think it will have an impact on our relationship because Sullivan could be looking at it like, hey, I told you so. We, should have, we could have brought in a squad player that could have made life a whole lot easier for us. And that's the case where West Ham are like an injury or two away from not being able to compete out of the league, unfortunately. Rashane, uh, there's obviously outgoings. You mentioned a lot of them there, Ayeti. Um, and I think... On on one hand, a lot of the outgoings this window is good, isn't it? You, you you know you need to get rid of some deadwood, so to speak. One of the 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 main players, or to, certainly today, Jack Wilshere, um, on his way out, left a parting message for the board. He was one of the players who shared, um, who jumped in on the Dean Garner hassle a few weeks ago and he, he replied on his Instagram and said go to a club that treats you well that sort of proves that he's not overly happy and then his message today Wilshire claiming that he was fit for a lot of the time that he was at West Ham do you what do you read into his departure did you see that coming or can you shine any more light on that for the uh, for the We Are West Ham listeners yeah no you definitely can see it coming because he hasn't been even in the match day squad for quite some time even in the four-one defeat at Everton, again he wasn't involved in that. And the games Jack Wilshere would play, you just you could just tell he wasn't Jack Wilshere involved. He wasn't able to have any influence. He's sort of thinking like his future is not going to happen anymore. And again, touching on that point, on that comment he made on the Diagana's Instagram post where he should go and do this thing at a club that that respects you. Everyone thought, my goodness, Jack Wilshere of all players to comment, Jack Wilshere hasn't played. He's hardly played for West Ham of all players. Fair enough, Declan Rice. Fair enough, Martin Hoover or whatever, but Jack Wilshere. So that was the sort of, you know, feeling at the time. And yeah, it's no surprise to me. And I feel like for a lot of West Ham fans, that he's not here anymore. Well, that he's got released uh, by obviously mutual uh, mutual content because it wasn't working out for him. He's hardly playing for West Ham. He's a high, he was a higher end as well, earning in excess of 100,000 a week. And you can't have a player like that on the bench or not even playing if that's going to take up so much money off the race structure. So yeah, no surprise. I hope it works out for him. I wrote a piece last year for the Athletic that, for like the MLS or America could be the uh, next destination for Jack Wilshire, and it wouldn't come as a surprise if a club like LA Galaxy or or some, some, some club along those lines coming for him. So, so yeah, one of the one of the departures that surprised me a lot was Josh Cunham going to Anderlecht. It's very very random, um, kind of come out of nowhere and. Um, before he came down with COVID, it looked like he might get a, a bit of an opportunity in the first team. He was featuring in the cups, and you mentioned it earlier that you know we're we're one or two injuries away, like in defence, but also in midfield of as being you know very very short. Josh Cullen was the the prime player to potentially step in, um, and now he's gone. Like, what, what do you know why? What came around for his exit? Like because suddenly one minute like he could be playing, the next minute he's he's, he's gone again. Um, how did that come about? I think it's a, I think it's a case of both parties, really. Obviously, Josh Cullen is at the age where he needs to be playing week in, week out. And obviously, Moyes is like, you know, you can't really fit him in his first team plans right now because the first choice midfield duo are right now Declan Ryan and Thomas Uchek. And after that, third choice really and truly is Martin Noble. So you're looking at it thinking, 
uh, Josh Curry's not even fourth choice because next will be Manuel Lanzini. So he went to the mm. season as a fifth choice, so he's not really going to get a lot of game time. And obviously going to a club like Andalette, that's been really good in terms of like young players that gone out of there. I can think of Kamar Roof, who's at um, Rangers right now, who did who was pretty good at Andalette. And obviously Vincent Company's in charge as well, so he has an eye on like young English players. And yeah, it's a shame. I remember I interviewed uh, Josh when he was on loan at Charlton. He was like, he determined that he wants to come back and do well at West Ham. And we saw in pre-season he was doing well. I think it may have been against Brentford. The Bournemouth two... game, he was brilliant as well. Yeah, sorry, Bournemouth rather. Yeah, he set up two goals for Jaden, Jared, Jared Burney thinking, oh, here we have a midfielder. He can do well, do good stuff for us. And against uh, Charlton as well, he played well. And obviously it's unfortunate that he's gone to Anderlecht. And also, was it not a lot of money been able to re- recuperate from him as well, which is unfortunate. So, hope he goes out of there people wrong and does well hopefully but Shane the best thing that came out of this window is obviously us keeping Declan Rice the linchpin to the side but were we and they've got a lot of praise for it the board in the yeah. forthcoming days but were they ever tested was their metal ever tested with a bid was it ever likely or was it just one of those things swirling around the media and there was actually nothing in it really what, what actually yeah, but Chelsea didn't make an offer for Declan Rice you know touch wood right now because if they did oh my goodness my heart would have been beating so fast yeah. if that were to happen so yeah, it's good that he didn't make an offer for him because you sort of half thinking if they were to make a bid, then probably happened in Ghana, it most mm. likely would have been accepted, and that would have been the worst thing possible for us people who like care about the club. So it's great that he start West Ham. I feel like he's doing a great job, and I, in my opinion, I can't feel, think of a better midfield duo right now in the Premier League than Suchak and Rice. Mm. Uh, his performance at Leicester was really good. He could have scored a goal this season that drive around from midfield and he hit the crossbar. You know, so close. So he's been doing great stuff. And I always say it, like, go against Watford, the long-range goal, and he ran to the technical area to hug David Moyes. I didn't see one player hug Manuel Pellegrini. Not one player. Mm-hmm. So that tells you the sort of impact Moyes is having on him. He's grown into a really good young leader as well, 21, and the amount of stuff he's achieved already at West Ham. So it's great for his career, that he's doing well. And I remember a few months ago, myself and Will, we spoke to Tony Carr, and he kept saying, like, listen, he's doing great stuff for West Ham. Why leave right now? Give it two more years achieve more stuff at the club, you could be like, hey, I need to go to a big club now. But until then, hopefully he stays and keeps doing well for us. Absolutely. Rashane, well, just one more quick one before we let you go. Uh, love having you on, as always, and you've been worth your weight in gold again this time around. Just quickly, uh, Robert Snodgrass um, to Celtic. Just a quick fire. Yes or no, is that going to happen? No. No, and the last one, Felipe Anderson to Porto. Now, I can barely contain my joy uh, when I heard the news that Felipe Anderson may be on his way out of the club. I think, again, I don't hold any grudges against him. I think with some players, no matter how much money you pay for them, the Premier League just isn't for them. He's very technical. Maybe the physical nature of it, not for him. But can you, it sounds like the Porto deal is, uh, is as good as done. Can you see him, uh, can you see that deal going through? Yeah, it's as good as done. I spoke to um, one of his representatives earlier and he said, yeah, deal's almost done. So just like the medical way structure, that's also has to iron out at the minute. So, yeah, he's gone. And I don't feel like a lot of West Ham fans would be unhappy about his exit. He's been, been poor for West Ham for quite some time. Again, in that, in that cup game at Everton, he wasn't able to have any impact whatsoever. And the sort of pleasing aspect of his departure, we'll see Yarmolenko, I guess, feature more from the bench. Obviously, Yarmolenko, in my opinion, isn't really a starter. But he's a player that's capable of having an impact from the bench. Obviously, the game against uh, Chelsea, the winning goal he scored. So, on his day, he can turn up. And a player that a lot of fans are forgetting about, Nathan Holland. 
He had a good long mm. spell for United, recovering from a hamstring injury. So he's a player who could also get a chance as well following Anderson's exit. Absolutely. Well, you said that a lot of West Ham fans may not be sad to hear about Philippe Anderson's exit, but the We Are West Ham listeners will certainly be sad to hear about your exit. Rashane, you've been great <laughs> as always. Thanks for joining us and we'll speak to you next time. Thank you very much, Will. I'm looking forward to uh, look, seeing your hat again. <laughs> <laughs> Top man. Cheers, Rashane. So that was Rashane Thomas there, West Ham correspondent for The Athletic and friend of the We Are West Ham podcast. Rashane, great value every time he comes on the show. And uh, yeah, for, if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, do go and follow Rashane on Twitter because he's very good value. And he's, uh, he's normally at the front of the queue with all the West Ham news. So other headlines away from transfers. I am delighted to announce... James Jones has just whispered it tenderly into my ear that Felipe Anderson's move to Porto has been confirmed. Jonesy, a season-long loan, am I right in saying? I don't know, it's Tom that, Tom that whispered it in your ear, mate. I haven't seen the headlines. <laughs> was it? I, was, yeah. I, was, I was just too overcome with joy to differentiate. Did I see that Tom looks so disappointed when you said my name and not his? It was definitely Sorry, Tom yeah. that said it. <laughs> but, um, no, mate. Yeah, apparently it's a season-long loan. I don't, they haven't actually released if there's a buy a clause to buy him at the end of it, but I presume that we probably wouldn't have done that for me because there's a good chance he'll go there, stick a few in because it's a league which will suit him. So I think the intelligent move would have been to not put a clause in because we could actually recoup a bit if he does well in the Champions League. Because bear in mind, he will be teaming up with another West Ham cult figure in Tony Martinez who just signed for Porto this summer as well. So front three of Anderson and Tony Martinez are about to come to the screen near you on uh, BT Sport Wednesdays for the Champions League. <laughs> Better believe I, it. I should have stayed in Portugal. Should have gone yeah, and catch a few. Yeah, you got a game, uh... mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, look, lads, um, away from transfers, I think uh, Rashane covered a lot of it there. Everyone um, sort of made our, our views clear on the, on the transfer window. Would like to have seen more. Probably all expecting it. Um, the amount of players we did bring in not that makes it okay but uh, yeah window pass I think at least things are going well on the pitch at the moment and uh, just as James said fingers crossed for no injuries and perhaps we'll uh, I, I would imagine it will be if we're desperately in trouble again near January the, the board will move as they did with Suchek if not probably try and scrape it until the end of the year but general headlines lads um, one the one we mentioned uh, or we didn't mention with uh, Roshane there, is that London Stadium owners have sued law firm Allen and Overy over West Ham's 99-year London Stadium lease. Uh, there's been a series of legal battles over the ground already. Uh, but yeah, the owners of uh, London's Olympic Stadium have kicked off a legal fight with Magic Law, law Firm, sorry, with Magic Circle law firm Allen and Overy over its drafting of West Ham's 99-year lease. Um, obviously, there's more. there will be more to come out on this. It's quite a technical story at the moment. Um, but like I say, there's been extensive lawsuits on this already. There's some rumours, whispers coming out uh, over the course of the evening on Tuesday, which is when we're recording, that this could hold some sort of sway uh, and potentially affect West Ham's deal that they've signed further down the line if this if there was proved to be any wrongdoing when this uh, agreement was drafted. 
Um, but again, lots more to come on that. Um, and I think details, more details will emerge over the next 24 hours or so. So if you listen to this later in the week, you may know more than we know now. But that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Lads, um, as well as that, Harry Redknapp with some interesting quotes on coming from Sky Sports News last night. Harry was uh, doing part of the, the, doing the deadline day show with Jim White. Um, some interesting stuff. They were tweeted out. I, I don't know why. I just happened to be up. I wasn't watching the Sky Sports News towards the 11 o'clock deadline with any hope that we were going to sign anyone. It was more just the fact that it was on in the background. But I was listening to Harry and he was talking. I, I liked a lot of the stuff he was saying, to be honest. Um, Jonesy, have you, have you got the quotes there, James, that you can read out for the, uh, for the listeners? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a, um, they'll be okay this year, but the fans want more. It's a big club, 60,000 people every week, and they want more. But unfortunately, David Sullivan, as rich as they are, they're not in that mega league. The club needs a buyer. It needs someone to go in there with real money, and they would be buying a fantastic football club with great tradition and great fan and a great fan base. It's a club I think someone will come in and buy in the next couple of years. Foreign owners probably, but they'll take the club where it could go. Um, I almost fell off my chair when I saw he praised the fan base there, Big Sam. Um, Harry Redknapp. Yeah. Harry Redknapp, that was. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, that's yeah. absolutely fine then. For some reason, I had Big Sam in my head there for a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... oh, Harry Redknapp. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's absolutely right mm. though, isn't he? That, you know, um, they can't take us. We spoke about it this last week or the week before, that they can't take us where they, they hoped they could do or, 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 you know, or beyond. So, yeah, I think he's absolutely right in what he said. And the cup, the cup does need a buyer, doesn't you know, Whether you, you like, like the owners or not, you can't deny that fact that mm. if we're going to be where we want to be and perhaps where we feel as if we, we should be, then, you know, it's got to be richer owners and, and someone that can actually bankroll it because it's quite clear that they, they can't. Tom, did you? I'm just happy it wasn't a Benjani story again, mate. I was listening to it, and he told the Benjani story about 15 times. So when that <laughs> happened, my ear pricked up. But yeah, mate, <laughs> the chat moved very swiftly on from that. I might add the host Jim White. I don't know. I'm sure he's he was doing his job, and it was a lot going on. But yeah, the conversation didn't go on much. But you could tell Harry was actually trying to get his teeth into it, and and that he's one that obviously isn't that respected at us for what what went on in the years after. But um. Yeah, fair play to him. He really did stick his neck on the line and, and actually defend us. And uh, he's, he did it in a measured way, uh, in a way which should have been listened to because he's bang on. Even if you do have a soft spot for the owners or whatnot, I think it's it's now come out that, that, that they're not in a position to financially back us and keep us as a sustainable, successful football club. It is a, it's a peculiar situation, Tom, isn't it? Where mm. you just said Harry Redknapp come and stuck his neck out. And all he really did was yeah. give some fairly vanilla quotes saying, yeah. oh, yeah, really, West Ham, you know, they deserve more. That's basically all he said, wasn't it? Like you said, he did yeah. it pretty – it wasn't anything groundbreaking. He didn't call them liars or go after them. He just sort of said, yeah, there's 60,000 people go at West Ham. They're a really big mm -hmm. club with a passionate fan base, and they, they deserve more than – what they're getting at the moment and there needs to be money. It's a weird world we live in when that is considered sticking your neck out. I think, yeah, I agree. And I think part of it is obviously I don't want to poke fingers. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know any of these blokes myself. So I don't want to come after them directly, but Jim White's obviously got some relationship. I know talks will have a relationship with our owners and Jim White was the host of the deadline day show. And 
it was very evident that that was just Harry Redknapp was almost just getting into it. That was almost his introduction and what he would have liked to have said, and he would probably have liked to go into a bit more depth. But the conversation quickly moved on from that to a bloke moving from Olympiacos to a Greek team uh, that no one cared about because that he didn't want to hear it and he didn't want to come across or, or for whatever reasons. But he wasn't allowed the platform to fully come out and what I think he probably would have liked to have said. But you're right, mate. It's it's it feels like people in the press or for whatever reason are struggling to actually come out and have the level of pops or or show the disgruntlement or or actually say what should be said about our football club. Other than like you mentioned earlier, Trevor Sinclair has come out and done a sterling job, and he really has gone after them on on big platforms who who do have the Sullivans as sources, i.e. Talksport, and he's really come out and. Uh, said some pretty emotive quotes on it. So fair play to people like him. And of course, people can have different opinions on it. But I think the more the more it comes out and the more that people are willing to stand up or willing to voice an opinion over it, which isn't particularly towing the line of their publication or whatever, the better because football clubs like us and Newcastle just can't be treated like this anymore. And it's too important to too many people. Um, and it's about time that people stood up for us and the press who do have a voice and do have access to them. Yeah, I, I think to be to, to play devil's advocate somewhat, I do think the deadline day show perhaps wasn't the forum to entertain a former West Ham manager ranting about the mm. current board. I, I, know, I know where you're coming from, but I do think um, it's important to to try and sort of not just not just jump on that bandwagon every time it, it comes along. I, I think you know he, he didn't shut Redknapp off. He, that was the second time he'd mentioned something like that but yeah I, I I think like you say the way he did it was good and he he seemed to I know he's he comes across as quite an amiable bloke whatever he's talking about but he uh certainly seemed to care a bit about the tv uh lads the next uh one the next and is today is an anniversary it's a very special anniversary for me because today marks seven years to the day since we won three nil at White Hart Lane thanks to Rebel Morrison it looked dangerous from set pieces and corners, especially West Ham here. Reads there, and he's there again, and the opening goal, courtesy of Winston Reed. Nolan inadvertently in the way, and then Reed reacting really well, and West Ham lead at the lane. Hasn't really been that much in the way of a response from Tottenham to going behind. West Ham have been excellent in this second half. And Vaste is in here, in behind Ricardo Vaste. Oh, he's going to score a second. West Ham United double their advantage. Ricardo Vaste's first Premier League goal of the season. With a little bit of luck. Read away. Superb control from Giamme. And this is Ravel Morrison. He's all on his own at the moment. And Morrison is all the way through. Ravel Morrison. Is this to be three? Oh, it is. Simply sensational. Three goals. Are they on the way to their first three points away from home this season? So that audio, third credit to the West Ham United official Twitter account uh, for that audio there. Um, but what a day that was. I was in the away end that day with my old boss, who was a Tottenham fan. And uh, I've never seen anything like it. When the third goal went in, People were coming over our heads. It must have been the worst day of his life. In fact, I think it was. Um, but it, I remember the first one went in. I think it was Winston Reed's one where he headed it down. Nolan blocked it on the line. 
uh, and then he he scooped the scooped the rebound in, and even then you thought, oh, don't worry, they're going to come back. And uh, by the time when Morrison wormed his way down the pitch and dinked it over Hugo Lloris, just after Ricardo Vazte had got the luckiest goal I'd ever seen by shooting into Lloris, <laughs> it cannoned back off of Lloris, then hit Vazte in the shins and nestled in the bottom right corner. One of my best days of my life, not just watching West Ham. Um, were either you two there? No. I was lucky enough. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be in there. I was like, I, I absolutely loved Ravel Morrison at the time as well for, for a million reasons, but I was all over him and that was such a good moment, mate. That was... I, that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, the, that the, moment when he stuck it in and you just know 3-0 when you're looking at the scoreboard with 10 minutes to play and you're thinking, what's happened? We might get a draw here. Yeah, here we go. We've got a sniff here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was absolutely phenomenal. And I was so, I celebrated so hard that game. I think I had a bit of a hangover anyway, but I celebrated that so hard that I was sick outside the ground. It was just one of those where you're wow. singing solidly <laughs> nonstop. And uh, yeah, I'm walking outside the ground and I just threw up. I'd only had about two beers because, hey? Your boss sacked you the next day. <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah, yeah. we, uh, I, uh, yeah, I kept on. But what, what a day that was! What a day, um, lads. One more, just before we wrap up this uh, excellent segment, transfers and the headlines of the week. This is perhaps the biggest news story of all: is that King Arthur Masuaku, the man with the nickname that I am taking all the credit for, because we've had precisely zero replies uh, on the We Are West Ham email, wearewestampod at gmail.com, uh, to my call last week to for West Ham fans to get in touch with any proof that they used the term for Masuaku, uh, King Arthur, before December 2017, which is the first time it showed up on mine and my mate's WhatsApps. Uh, and I checked this week, and he's only put it in his Twitter bio, <laughs> Arthur Masuaku has got King Arthur in his Twitter bio. He said, uh, just so everyone knows, King Arthur is just for a laugh. He's obviously had people getting on his back saying, eh, why are you calling yourself King Arthur? I'm sure he's replied to all of them and said uh, that it was actually Will Pugh who started it back in 2017. But Jonesy, obviously you hate it when Masuaku does well because I love him so much. Have you got any particular thoughts on um him adopting my nickname because that's the the West Ham first team formation that I'm responsible for now and also dishing out nicknames to the first team players uh I'm, I'm, you know, it's good that he's he's it's proof as we said before that he listens to the pod and you know it's great that he's he's adopted your your nickname for him mate and it's going viral and it's it's a claim to fame that you never thought you'd ever have um so <laughs> that's my only one He's your only one, um, but yeah, it's 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 great. Yeah, I think it's it's we just got to get him on the pod now, mm. and yeah, um, talk true. about it. And um, hopefully, now you two are best mates, mm. we can um, we can we can get that done for next week. Yeah, will yeah yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, he's bound to DM me any day now, isn't he? So uh, as soon as I hear from. From King Arthur, I'll let him know when we can fit him in, not the other way around, of course. Tom, do you think it might be easier from now on to just, uh, rather than list the members of the first team squad and management staff who we think listen to the pod, might just be easier and save us a bit of time if we list the ones who don't listen? I think, yeah, it'd be a very short list, that one, mate. So, yeah, it probably would be, actually. I reckon 
we know we know for facts that the majority of them are on it. Bowen tried to shut me up the other week when he scored. That zip of the mouth, I'm almost certain, was to me. Um, <laughs> Rice, Rice is on it as well. They all the back of the bus, like Jonesy said last week. They all just sit there. I think they've just got a Beats pill at the back of the bus and they've got it on, um, which wouldn't shock me. They're the turning form. I think it, you can't argue that there's some level of influence going on. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you, just impossible to argue against the influence this podcast had. The only problem is with that Beats pill, I like the idea, but the only problem, of course, is that we don't want it listened through just one phone. We'd prefer them all listening individually because that's about 25 extra listeners for the week rather than just mm. uh, playing it through <laughs> to one phone. But look, absolutely outstanding stuff. And um, long may the King Arthur nickname continue and long may his form continue. Great show. So far, gentlemen, no opposition view this week, but stay with us because we'll have our Twitter poll and a little rundown of all of the hammers who are off on the international break next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Great to have Rashane Thomas from The Athletic with us to talk about transfers there. Even better news that Arthur Masuaku has put uh, hashtag King Arthur into his Twitter bio. And even better news than that, uh, that Tom Edwards confirmed that the entire West Ham United squad and the management staff listen to the We Are West Ham podcast. Excellent news all round. Lads, no opposition view this week. Uh, obviously, England or just general international break coming up. A few of West Ham's players are heading out on international duty. Vladimir Kufau or Sufau as Tom will be calling this season. Lucas Fabianski, Angela Bonner, Darren Randolph, Declan Rice, Thomas Suchek and Andre Yarmolenko will all be in Nations League action for their respective countries, while Fabian Balbuena kicks off his 2022 World Cup qualifying campaign for Paraguay and Arthur Masuaku is on friendly duty. Balbuena's flying all the way back. I mean, I'll say all the way back to South America. Obviously, he would because <laughs> that's where he's from. But uh, yeah, he's, he's flying to Peru, I think, for the game. It's like 16,000 miles. Um, that's like 13, 14 hours on a plane must be a bit of a slog. But um, yeah, obviously Kufau, a Czech international, along with his best buddy, Thomas Suchek. Uh, what do you think, lads? Such an age-old football cliche. But, um, Tom, do you think, because, yeah. do you think the international break it's coming at annoying time. It's such a cliche. I even hate myself mm. for asking that question. <laughs> but we're on such good form, aren't we? Is it is it one then that's annoying or is it just, hey, is what it is? I think it's more annoying as a fan, to be honest. I think we've got, not used to it, but we, it's nice to see us turn out three weeks on the trot in the Premier League and play well for us. So for us to have to wait and wade through an England squad who contains some of the most average footballers I've seen in an England squad for a long time. And then that. Declan Rice. Yeah, exactly. So obviously, so they got the goat rice in there, and they got everyone else. But um, no, mate. So I think I think I we all said the same almost at the end of the season. There's only three weeks between that season ending, this new season starting, or whatever it was, and we'd obviously ended that season in good form. And blokes like Antonio, who's a very much confidence player, he's come back, hit the ground running. So I like to think form wise, we'll still be right at it when they come back, and, and I don't think much will change. Hopefully, with the way we play and system, it's just. It's frustrating when you when you have such a huge result. I heard um, on the commentary yesterday, Sky, someone said that 
the best part of having a result like Aston Villa was when Aston Villa beat Liverpool is that you come back in the next day and you all celebrate it together and you have that atmosphere in the, in the dressing room. Whereas we've all gone home and I'm sure West Ham players haven't come in since that since we won that day. So so not having that and not having that bounce of that result is a bit of a frustration, but I'm sure it won't. Well, I'd like to think we can come back out and uh, and give the same level of performance. Jones, uh, as I've just asked a question there, that has been asked up and down the country on radio stations for as long as football has been talked about among friends or as long as international breaks have been a thing. That was the most common question ever. So now I'm going to ask you one that I don't think has ever been asked on any national or local broadcasting station or on any social media. Should Mikel Antonio be picked for England? (laughs) Uh, yeah, why not? Chuck him in well, there. But I, mean, I mean, I mean, let's have it right. Let's have it right. Worst players have been picked for England over the years. Mm. Um, we could be, we could. I mean, you could do a podcast series on the, the rubbish players England have picked over the years. And um, I think, given he's the form, the form player since since um, the restart, uh, the, the, why isn't he being considered? A lot of people think it's because of his age. Oh, didn't they pick Ricky Lambert when he was like 39 or something like that? <laughs> and he, he scored on his debut with his first touch against Scotland. So, you know, you know what Antonio might be able to do. Um, so, yeah, like, there's no reason why he shouldn't be getting picked. England, no. But that's semi-serious. I, I think I so. Yeah. Half-joking. But like you say, he is the informed player in the league. I think he's joint top scorer since the restart. Is it one of them because Southgate thinks a little bit more longevity and everyone seems to even West Ham seem to be sort of waiting for it all to go wrong or for Mikel mm. Antonio to sort of revert back to the little bit less consistent player than he, he once was but do, do you think it's reasonable Tom? So yeah no I, I absolutely I was about to say yeah mate I think he I don't think there's a more a player who's playing the nine position right now he's more complete than him right now he can go in behind Calvert-Lewin yeah, Calvert Lewin, but I think he's better than him. He's he's bigger, he's stronger, he's got he gets less service, he makes more chances, he's better in the eight. I saw a stat he scored eighteen headed goals since he joined the Premier League, which is more than any other player in the same time since he made his debut. So he's one of the best strikers in the air. He's rapid, he can play off a shoulder, he can back you up and he can win fouls and he's he and he's starting to get in the right places. So first year he's had a real good crack at playing nine, playing up front. He's always been bounced around his whole career, left wing, right wing wherever it's the first time in his whole career he's had a settled position and he's really he he's the difference maker that we have not a single center half wants to deal with him he sucks so many players towards him because he's so big so physical and he and he also beat you in behind I think he's a real trump card whether that be for us or England I think the age like Jonesy said might be the thing against him but I just think he's got so much to his game and he's got better technically and I really do think he's one of those who's underrated Southgate picked him before in a squad and uh, so did Allardyce, but he got an injury both times. So he will probably go down as one of the most unlucky players ever not to get an England cap, considering he was in two squads for two different managers. Absolutely. Well, one thing that is certain, that right there from you, Tom Edwards, is going in mm. the promo clips this week for sure. Yeah. If you, if you yeah, don't yeah. already, follow us on uh, at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter. Um, because, yeah, to be honest, I was semi semi like joking semi-serious but I think what you said there makes perfect sense if if the uh, if the manager wants to pick form players 
Um, mm. Then there's no one in better form right now, is there? Certainly, uh, certainly, of Jamie Vardy. Has sort of he's got a few penalties this season, and he hasn't really mm. been in games. Did absolutely nothing on the weekend. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, and obviously he's retired from international duty anyway. So if you're if you're at a loss for someone else up front, if you get an injury to to Kane or Calvert Lewin, who I think Kane, sorry, both of whom I think deserve their place, of course. Yeah, they do. Excellent from you, Tom. There, lads. Uh, one thing that I like the sorry, just quickly before we move on to the Twitter poll. Um, one thing I like the idea of is uh, Arthur Masuaku bowling it into the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo dressing room, going, "Hey, lads, you'll never guess what nickname I've got in England now. <laughs> you'll never guess what they <laughs> call me. <laughs> Only King Arthur. I'm just bowling it into the dressing room, crown on, going, lads, come at me." <laughs> <laughs> Just put that like crown on, big boombox over his shoulder, playing regal straight music. Face. Absolute yeah, straight yeah. face as well. Yeah. Call, call yeah. me the king, boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cape and a scepter and a boombox playing regal it's music. Funny, crown. It's funny that his Twitter starts to pop off when he starts playing well. I didn't hear a peep out of him for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally that. I didn't even yeah. know he had social media and the no. bloke's not stopped tweeting, I, I literally is he? followed him today. I literally followed him today when I saw it in the running order because I, I think I followed him. The mum followed him after he put, literally picked the ball up away at West Brom in seven, 2017. I think that was my last draw. <laughs> oh, absolutely outstanding. I'd love to see, uh, try and get some footage from the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo uh, dressing room as King Arthur Masuaku bowls in over the next couple of days for international duty. Well, listen, lads, a little bit. Um, well, that's enough of this serious, serious journalism that we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we've been doing on the last few minutes on the We Are West Ham podcast. Now, we've, uh, we've put out, as we do every single week before the podcast, we put out a poll on the We Are West Ham Twitter account earlier on. And now for those of you who saw the poll or are listening now and thought, oh, well, you're boring. It's the same content from We Are West Ham. I've seen it before. You're right. It is. It's the same question, or a very similar question to one we asked a few weeks ago. But there is uh, logic and some thinking method behind the madness. That's a phrase I'm looking for. And uh, the question this week was, uh, having seen the first four Premier League games and the international transfer window slam shut, with just one new arrival, where do you think West Ham will finish this season? Now, we did ask this question before the season kicked off. So I'll give you today's results first. The options were European spot first to seventh, uh, eighth to twelfth, thirteenth to seventeenth or relegated. And today, uh, the We Are West Ham listeners and followers of us on Twitter said 2.9% said we'll finish in a European spot, which is down on the pre-season 3.4%. Uh, today, 23.4% of people think we'll finish between 8th and 12th, uh, which is up on the pre-season question of 8, or the pre-season amount of 18.2% of fans. 13th to 17th, was the overwhelming winner once again today. 64.7% of people think we'll finish between 13th and 17th, which is up from 604 before the season. And this is the one good thing, I think. Uh, only 8.9% of We Are West Ham listeners think that West Ham will get relegated as of today. And that is down from 18% 
thought we would go down before the season started. So, Jonesy, some, it seems like, uh, in a way, West Ham fans are now, they're certain we're not going to do anything in the European spots, but less people think we're going to go down as well. Very much 13th to 17th, one before the season and uh, won the day today. What, what's your thoughts on that and what else are the listeners saying? Yeah, I think all, all that shows is that the, the form currently kind of cements us as a mid-table club-ish or just below. Um, but the transfer window uh, and the lack of business has kind of still got left out in, in people's people's minds. But um, some of this has commented under the poll. Tom, Tom Toll, this wing-back system works a treat. We have the p- uh, potential to finish top 10, show potential buyers that we're a club of the future. Uh, it's quite an interesting response. Alan uh, Zeppa, I hope I've pronounced that right, Alan. Uh, if we keep going in that system without any injuries, we should finish about 10th. We need some luck to go our way, which I suppose we're always crying out for luck, aren't we, at West Ham? And Will Field, based, uh, based on our squad now, injuries will determine where we end up, a few injuries, and we're in deep trouble, which kind of follows the trend that we've, we've been saying this, this week on the podcast. So uh, a little bit more... Positivity, but a almost cautious positivity because we, we know that it could all go very, very wrong. I think some fans are half expecting it given our our, uh, our track record. Yeah, well, as ever, we uh, like I say, we do one of the polls every week. We ask the We Are West Ham listeners what they think. Tom, I'll just throw to you um, because another... Uh, obviously, not everyone who listens to the podcast or follows uh, We Are West Ham podcast on Twitter follows me. But uh, I tweeted something out. Uh, this was last night after the Jack Wilshere news broke. And I just said, feel for Wilshere. Hope he makes it elsewhere. But West Ham fans will hope his departure signals the end of that type of signing. Nazri, Evra, Hernandez, Wilshere and even Zabaleta. Money down the drain. There must be a shift to longer term thinking with young, hungry players. Now, I was a little bit nervous about putting Zabaleta in in the first place, and I was proved right. Uh, Lewis John replied and said, uh, sorry, no, um, Will Earl replied and said, Zabba is the only exception in that list, gave 100% every time he played for us, was solid for two years. Then, like my dream, said, "Um, get out of here with that Zabaleta chat, mate. He put in 110% every time. Now, I just want to make it clear that I wasn't knocking Zabaleta. My point with Zabaleta was that basically as good as he was, and I know he put his all in every time, West Ham were only ever going to get a couple of good years out of him, which is exactly what happened. What's your, um, mm. you know, how do you, how do you feel about, about that? Because it, I, mm. I say, I think the Zabaleta thing took away from it somewhat, mm. but just the idea that, that West Ham need to that that focus on young players, and I just don't want to see any more Jack Wilshere's. No. As soon as I heard Welbeck's available today, I don't want to see any more of that. that no, is, that I, mate, I agree. Yeah, I know we're linked with him. Of course we are. I think, um, mate, brilliant. I really love the tweet, but then I saw Hernandez's name in there, and I actually <laughs> jumped through my screen and have a go at you because I not only spent seventy five quid in a long sleeve black away shirt with Hernandez. But the bloke also was a one in three man, so he wasn't. He could have been worse. But no, the sentiment of the tweet is 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 ideal, mate. We, we can't, we cannot be like we can't have a wage bill where you've got players like that who who either injured or don't have the fitness to play twice in a week. 
who were on the best part of 100 grand. We physically cannot go after that. Look at all our success stories in that team. Cresswell was signed young. Antonio was signed young from the championship. Bowen. Um, all, our, all our most successful players recently have been the young, fresh meat in the team even before now. You've got to go and you've got to re-energise this team and you can't bring baggage. And the likelihood of a 32-year-old coming here and seeing it as an exciting project is, is slim. They're more likely to see it as I'm living in London, I'm earning the best part of 100 grand. I can sit here and see out the back end of my career playing for a relatively decent established Premier League club with a great fan base and have a nice canter to the end of my career earning this money for three, four years. And I think I was, I've waxed lyrical about Yarmolenko and I do think he's got a lot of talent in those boots, but he's one who's now the wrong end of 30. He's sat there, he's picking up astronomical wages and whether I, I think he's good enough. I really do think he's good enough to contribute to the team, but he's not even getting a chance. So we still have players in that squad who we can wean out who are exactly what you're saying about that tweet who are over the hill and are on too much money and um, I think you're bang on I, I think we simply have to start looking at a younger a youthful squad I think yeah I, I think to put it succinctly I think we you mentioned about Yamalenko there but I just think we need to be signing players for whom West Ham are the biggest club of their yeah. career so far and for too many people uh, we've signed too many players in recent history who have already played for the biggest club they're ever going to and they are yeah. on the way down. But look, that's uh, great to hear from the We Are West Ham listeners as always. Like I say, follow us on Twitter if you want to get involved in those polls every week as hundreds and thousands of you do week in, week out. But stay with us because it's Name That Game next. So the We Are West Ham listeners, you, the We Are West Ham listeners, have had your say on Twitter about where you think West Ham are going to finish this season, having seen the uh, recent transfer window. Obviously still time to make a couple of domestic moves. We'll see what happens there and after the couple of decent performances in the league last time out for West Ham. Still seems like West Ham are going to finish between 13th and 17th, according to the listeners. However... Uh, league table that really matters perhaps more in fact than the Premier League is the name that game league table for the season it's not looking very good for me so far I'm sitting rock bottom on three points James Jones miles out in front on 10 and Tom Edwards middle of the road on five after clawing back a couple of points last week for those of you who don't know already hopefully you've all picked up and got the gist of the quiz now. But uh, James is the quiz master this week, and the quiz master for each week picks a random game from West Ham history, collates seven pieces of information about that game, which are an obscure fact, the scoreline only, an opposition goal scorer, a West Ham goal scorer, the stadium it was played, the opponent, the season in which it was played, and the exact year uh, the game took place is the tie break if the scores are even after those original seven James this week will read them out me and Tom can interrupt whenever and then it's all turn it guesses after the first guesser goes and it is one point for each piece of information that me and Tom guessed this week so Jonesy you're streaking ahead in the leaderboard um, so feet up for you as the quiz master this week yeah, nice to have a week off, boys. Give, give you guys a chance to get some points on the board. Um, yeah, looking forward to this. It's going to be nil-nil, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's a cracker. Right, do you want me to get underway? 
Yeah, go ahead, mate. Go ahead. Here we go. So Ready. this week's obscure facts, chaps, is Frederick Canute made his debut in this game. That's a beauty of an obscure fact. Right, I'm going to have a guess. Here we go. No, I'm just getting. Obviously, I'm only guessing uh, the score line. I'm going to go two-one. That is correct. Oh, <laughs> come on. That is correct. So, Tom. <laughs> Do me a favour. Um, opposition goal scorer you need. Teddy Sheringham. Incorrect. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, I'm going to go... Hmm, David Beckham. Incorrect. Okay, so uh, you can give us the opposition goal scorer, James, and neither of us will earn a point. The opposition goal scorer is Michael Hughes. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Give one West Ham goal scorer. Okay. Um, All right. It's me, isn't it? Uh, no, no, because we both guessed. Well, you can go, Tom, if you want. Go on. I haven't got um, it. Tacanio. It's correct. Oh, yes. no. What's he done yeah. there? Uh, right. Stadium. Upton Park. Correct. <sighs> Michael Hughes. I don't know. Um, so it's, this is the opponent. Leicester. Incorrect. <laughs> is it Wimbledon? Correct. Oh! <laughs> it is correct. Half um, some of that. Uh, so that so is the we just win need the season. Tom, it's down to you for the season to claw back some glory hey. and make it 3-2. 2000, 2001. Incorrect, mate. Will for another point. Ah, oh, I know it's one season either side of that. What did you say? You said 2002, I'm not telling you, mate. I'm not telling you. Uh, I'm gonna go. Oh, did he play then? I'm gonna go 0102. That is also incorrect. Yeah, oh! is, it, is it back not to me? No, 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 no. It's oh. one guess each, isn't it? Oh, 99, yeah. 2000. Ah, yeah. oh, nightmare. Um, so, yeah, of course, nightmare. it's... 3-1. Uh, um, That's a beauty of it. That was a good question, that. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, so, Jonesy, so, yeah, recap, recap the game for us, mate. So, it was uh, West Ham United 2, Wimbledon 1. The Canio with that uh, goal of the... Well, the greatest goal the Premier League's ever seen. Oh, was uh, that game? Quality, that's that a quality game. one. Canute made his debut and also scored in his debut. He was on loan from Lyon. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was uh, that wonderful cross-field assist from from Trevor Sinclair and then Decanio with that worldie. Uh, everyone knows it. Everyone, everyone's seen it. Um, so, yeah. and I yeah, didn't know I that mean, was his debut. Nor did I. I was reading up on it earlier. Because um, I was, I wanted to do this game, but I couldn't think of a decent or an interesting yeah. enough obscure fact until the more I read about it, I realised it was his first game, and the the papers raved about uh, the partnership between Decanio and Canute that that everyone saw in that first game, um, and obviously were raving oh. about Decanio's goal as well. And then so, so yeah, interesting. That is interesting. And Trevor Sinclair getting another honourable mention for that screamer of an assist. 
but Tom, that does uh, doesn't do you any favours on the on the scoreboard. It does me no. a huge favour. So that three-one uh, victory for me there. Me or Tom getting not getting any points for the season or the opposition goal scorer, and uh, me taking it with the scoreline stadium and opponent. Tom getting the one point for the West Ham goal scorer. That puts the overall scores for name that game for this season. James Jones still miles out in front. I don't know how you got that far ahead, Jonesy, on 10 points. Me on six and Tom Edwards also on six points. A brilliant game for that one there, Jonesy, this week. The competition is properly heightened up. Now we've all settled in to the competition and the format and uh, hopefully everyone at home is uh, is keeping up and reminiscing as well. But stay with us because we've got the final segment of the podcast coming up next with the West Ham women. So I've won money on the charity bet, the Betway charity bet this week, and I've even won the We Are West Ham name of that game quiz to pull myself back in the running. On, uh, on the name that game leaderboard this season. A very, very positive week for me on all fronts. Victorious on all segments of the We Are West Ham podcast, which is wonderful. And one team who last time out were very much not victorious is the West Ham women's side. They were thrashed at home by Arsenal last time. 9-1, a bit of a whipping. They've had a big break since then the international break uh, probably done them all a favour to be honest get away from it a little bit um, one thing we mentioned already larking around of course about the West Ham squad listening to the podcast uh, Jilly Flaherty we spoke last week the West Ham women's captain for those of you who don't know we spoke last week and uh, gave you a bit of a glimpse with some of the audio from the uh, Squad Goals documentary on BBC Three, in which Jilly spoke, opened up about her battle with mental illness and um, where she attempted to take her own life 10 years ago. Obviously, a really brave move from Jilly coming out to speak and one we all endorsed last week. And uh, Jilly gave us a little retweet, didn't she, James, when uh, when the podcast went up? Yeah, it's a nice surprise. Um, obviously, as you said, we, we we spoke about what she was saying and obviously gave her a lot of support and um, mentioned her in our, in our sort of announcement tweet that the new pop was out and she she very kindly retweeted. So, yeah, nice surprise. Um, so, yeah, I hope it's just another listener that we can add to, add to add the to list the of West Ham listeners. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, fingers crossed if we uh, hopefully... Might be able to get Jilly or uh, and a few of the girls on this season, but uh, they're finally back. It's been a long old break, um, certainly longer than uh, than we're used to seeing for the men's international breaks. But the girls are playing Brighton at home in the League Cup tomorrow. That will be, I think, one Tom that they would probably expect to. Well, I'd certainly expect to give a good account of themselves and, and a game they they could easily win. Yeah, you'd like to think so. And like we said, all our wonderful guests we've had on have said that, that these are the teams that West Ham should be looking to to be the best of the rest. Obviously, you've got the Arsenals out there in Chelsea's and Cities who, who are spending a bit more money and going out there and really competing in Europe as well. But the Brightons and Reddings of this world, last weekend wasn't a result the girls would have wanted and, and it's a real shame. And they just need to get the shooting boots back on this year. I think yeah, we haven't scored more than one goal this season in a game. We've scored two in the three games we play this year. So go out there. It's a home fixture. We've got to go out there and be on the front foot and like to get some positive momentum going because 
obviously the Arsenal game and the Reading loss at home are, are not the two two results you want to come off the back of. So it's just about turning that corner and putting in a performance and got more than enough to beat this Brighton side. And I really expect the girls to go out there and get it done. That is it. Just uh, just to clarify, though, it's actually an away game uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Oh, sorry, uh, my bad. That's the the Broadfield Stadium. So it's uh, it's at Brighton, but it's the League Cup opener. So the League Cup, the Women's League Cup, is played slightly differently. It's actually a group stage first. Uh, West Ham in with Reading, Charlton, and Brighton. So no games played so far, and then obviously teams qualify or the best performing teams qualify from those groups and then it's Everton away in the WSL on Sunday so no games for a while uh, Jonesy and you know and then two like London buses two in quick succession uh, Everton like I say on Sunday at Walton Hall Park um, Everton second in the league at the moment West Ham down in ninth Everton unbeaten they haven't even conceded a goal the only team in the WSL this season not to have conceded a goal definitely a tough fixture incoming. Um, it would just be certainly a case of uh, hoping to keep the keep the score down. Uh, it's one of those games where a point, which would be West Ham's second of the season, would would probably gratefully received. Yeah, it's, it's a tough tough return to league action, isn't it? Um, I suppose it kind of links back to what we were saying before about you know the international break getting in the way of league form and obviously. The last, well, we did mention, didn't we, that, you know, they, they probably could have done with a bit of a break. But then to come back after that loss to Arsenal, but to come back and then have to face a, a, an equally as strong Everton side that are in form, haven't conceded a goal, joint top of the league with that Arsenal side, it's, um, it's, it's a difficult ask. But they've got to play that cut game with Brighton first. And if they can, if they can get a positive performance and a positive result uh, in that, then they can take that into the Everton fixture and, and perhaps build on that um, but it's going to be difficult for them uh, but they've got to start getting points on the board because it's, uh, it's if, if you go four, five, six games at the beginning of the season without getting many points on the board then um, it, it makes it a very very difficult and long season so hopefully we can get get at least a good performance a bit of positivity back and um, and, then, and then go from there yeah, as I I mean, the girls ninth, ninth, as I say, in the out of the twelve in the WSL at the moment, three games played, zero wins, just the one solitary draw, two defeats, including the absolute thrashing by Arsenal. They, if if they do get a win at Everton, uh, they'll only go skip above Tottenham, depending on their result. They'll go level on points with Brighton, but with that minus nine goal difference that the girls have got. At the moment, it's um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, not a not not an overly enticing um, prospect right now for the girls. But like you say, I think if they can get a point from uh, from the Everton game, it will um, do them a favour, and then onwards and upwards, hopefully. Well, lads, it's been an absolutely brilliant show tonight. I um, thought it might have been a bit of a quiet one with the uh, no opposition view and the international break coming up, but far from it. I've uh, really enjoyed it as ever. Uh, just a quick fantasy Premier League update. Of course, the We Are West Ham podcast. I've run in a fantasy Premier League league. The code for that is on our Twitter, but it's also, if you want it, if you haven't already joined, it's lowercase cny6ou. Uh, lads, Jonesy, you got the most points uh, of all three of us on 61 this week. I came in second with 49 and Tom on 43 overall uh, I'm still leading out the three of us on 220 points 
Jonesy, you're on 198. Tom on 189. Uh, just a quick shout out to Joshua Rosen and his team, Bubble and Squeak, who moved to the top of the We Are West Ham League this week. Uh, he's on 298 points total, which is quite impressive. And he jumped uh, ahead of last week's leader, Rudy Eagling. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to Josh. Um, Jonesy seemed to have a little bit of a pickup in your in your form. Obviously, the first two weeks making you suffer still. Um, still a you know twenty two points behind me, which is easily easy to make up. Um, Tom still only nine points behind you, so very much a league of two at the bottom of the league, and then me out there on my own. I'm angry about it this week because Jose Mourinho told everyone that Hummin's son was injured. So I took him out and replaced him with Harvey Barnes, didn't I? What happens? <laughs> Harvey Barnes has a goal ruled out. Son later on that day, Son starts, scores two and assists one. And um I had a good week with sixty one points, but it could have been close to eighty in the end. Um so I'm not happy about it really. It was a really poor week for me. Yeah, um, no, and I got pe- I got I got Pep Guardiola by Jose Mourinho. I'm gutted. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, Jonesy. Tom, I saw you tweet um about uh, that you had Ollie Watkins in your team, yet you only managed to get 43 points. I, I have Ollie Watkins in my team, yet I've stuck very closely by the German Theo Walcott, who happens to turn out for the West London, I don't even want to say her name, Chelsea. Team- I discuss it so much because so many of their players have let me down. But that's Timo Werner I'm referring to. But yeah. <laughs> So I've stuck, now, I've stuck side by side by him since the start of it, and he's got me about eight points in four games. And I've got... Oh, it's just not going right, mate. And then Aubameyang captain against Sheffield United at home still doesn't stick when in the onion bag. Kieran Tierney, obviously they concede in the last 20 minutes. David McGoldrick, he's got one Premier League goal in his whole career, just bends one in the bottom left. That was inevitable. So it's just a rub of the green, but I think I'm going to have to follow Jonesy down the path of a wild card. And I'm gonna, I, might, I might unleash that at prey, the international break, and see who comes back fit and raring to go. Yeah, I must admit, even though I'm doing all right so far, I'm thinking of that. I've stuck with Werner again. I was going to swap him for Calvert-Lewin. Had the money and the transfer to do it, but didn't bother. And uh, I just saw Ruben Vinagre, who I thought was going to be absolutely outstanding value, starting for Wolves every week. has been loaned to some team in Portugal. So. Olympiacos, uh, Oh, yeah, sorry, Olympiacos, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, good stuff. But I'll say, join in if you can. Fair play to Joshua Rosen, uh, who's, who's top at the moment. But do do sign up if you are uh, if you play Fantasy Premier League with the We Are West Ham League. Lads, brilliant show. Uh, obviously, everyone, as always, do follow us on Twitter if you don't already, at We Are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram as well and YouTube. Subscribe and follow us on YouTube. Like, rate, subscribe, all of those things. And if you've got time, this week, do us a favour. Now it's the end of the podcast. Uh, we're not going to say anything interesting from here on in. So just swipe up uh, to the description. Go down to where you can give us a review. Uh, give us five stars and uh, write some nice words if you can. We'd really appreciate that. Lads, brilliant show. Um, just some final thoughts. Very brief. 30 seconds from each of you. Jonesy, you first. Uh, yeah, a lot of positivity. It's. Uh, I'm looking forward to... Bit of a break with the international break, but um, buzzing for Spurs in a couple of weeks' time. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. That both sides going into that fixture with two really really big results. So um, yeah, and um, looking forward to that one. So yeah, two weeks of positivity between now and then, and hopefully a couple of signings in the domestic transfer window. 
Thomas? Yeah, exactly that. Hopefully a couple signings in the next week and a half or week and a bit. And there's not a better game when you're starved of league football than to come back and face uh, the old enemy in Spurs. So fingers crossed we carry the form over and, and let's get at it because we've got a good enough 11 to go out there and do a job. So I'm positive here, mate, and we'll get some signings in this week. I'm sure of it. Brilliant stuff. International break for the West Ham players next week. No international break for we are West Ham. But it's been a brilliant week on the pitch. Not so good off, but keep the faith, everyone. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow and you're listening to We Are West Ham podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.